well, I'm just going to try this. It's the news, according to somebody. I guess me. It's still working. Still working. It's still working. It's Friday, August 11th, 9 a.m., 2023, Eastern Standard Time. It's 2023 Eastern Standard Time. I think uh, it's, t- it's still 2022, I think, in Illinois. Um, boy, I got a lot of things to talk about. I hope I hope the show, I hope this recording works. I, I just, I don't know what else to tell you. I, 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 uh, I had my share of issues yesterday trying to record this thing. It took me... I, I usually like to record the show as if it's live. Now, the one nice thing about it being recorded is occasionally there's a, there's a glitch. Something will happen. I can always pause it and go with, you know, I can fix something and then come back. And you, you never know because it's recorded. Occasionally it happens. Once out of every, one, out, one out of every maybe 10 shows. Well, uh, yesterday was about seven or eight glitches during the recording time. It took me two, two hours to do a 30-minute show, 35-minute show, which is very frustrating. And I, because I'll record, I'll be really getting into it, getting the show, you know, just really zipping right along with the show, with the, with the, with them, what I need to say. And of course, it, I look up and it's not recording. Whatever's going on there with that whole, whole thing. So, so I ended up, uh, I, I shut everything down, turned everything off, rebooted everything. I, I closed out a lot of programs that run, that run in the background. And I only have my voice memo recording thing running right now. So we'll see how long this lasts. Normally it takes about 10 minutes and it cuts out. And I, so I've got this, uh, somebody texting the daylights out of me here this morning. They're blowing up, they're blowing up my phone. I have um, in my cup, let's just talk about something good this morning. In my, uh, my electric cup, I have some chai. I forgot to bring my iced tea down here. Right, what am I going to do without that? Where'd it go? I don't know. I didn't bring it down. I'm in my home studio. Now, the, the worldwide headquarters studio, I was in there yesterday and I was doing some recording and it worked fine. Everything works fine there. And I was tempted to just go to the worldwide headquarters this morning and again, try to do recordings. And I still might do that. In fact, if this, if this closes up, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going to email it to myself. I'm going to go over to the worldwide headquarters. And I'm going to just finish the show over there because that's just, that's just the way I roll. So uh, if that happens, you'll know it because I'll, I'll let you know that I'm, I'm doing that. The, um, I'm trying to find this. I have a, a video here. I need to connect to my, my phone because there is one thing I want to talk about. That there's quite a few things actually on the docket this morning that I really need to, uh, to talk about. One of them is, uh, is extremely, extremely uh, well, a couple of them are very, very upsetting. Every time there is a sneaky little ploy going on in this country right now, it seems to involve the FBI or the DOJ or the AG. And it is getting really old. I mean, the, the track record here has become, it's not just this one-off event. And, oh, wait, and, as soon as, and as soon as somebody brings up, oh, we've already fixed the problem. We've already fixed the problem. No, no, you haven't. You haven't fixed the problem at all. They fixed the problem by hiding it better. Well, next time you won't find it. 
We fixed that problem. In other words, you're not going to find it next time. That's what they really mean by that. Because they are a bunch of lying... Uh, you fill in the blank on that one. I don't call them whatever you want. I'm not going to be part of your... <laughs> mean streak. I'll just let you be your own mean streak. I'll just, I'll, I'll just set you up for it. You can be... I'll, I'll lead the way and open the door for you. You walk into the meanness. I'm actually already on the other side of the door. So it did. anyway, so we got this. Uh, okay, my, my phone's hooked up now. Uh, where'd it go? I thought I connected to the... Yeah, okay, it's still connected. So I'm going gonna, gonna to play some from some video and audio, or audio for you. For you, for me, it's video. And... Uh, I don't understand really what, um, why uh, some things happen the way they do. Now, I'm, I'm going to, well, I mean, I understand, what, you know what I mean, uh, how people can be so blatantly, just blatantly biased about certain things. Speaking mostly this, this whole Hunter Biden thing. The way the news media is standing, and I, you, have to, you have to expect at this point, everybody knows they're, they're biased. Everybody knows the, the legacy media, especially MSNBC, CNN, mostly NBC, C, CBS, ABC. ABC has a tendency to be a little bit less, I, I've noticed. I, it's certain reporters anyway. They seem to be a little bit more balanced, a, a little bit. I'm not going to go too far to say that they're balanced. Of course, Fox News is trying to co compensate for that by, you know, that they have a lot of right-wing people in there. And so they become this, the, the, the shrill, the, they're the shills, they're, they're the disinformation campaign, whatever. If it wasn't for them, we, this whole thing would be, because everything is a conspiracy. If you use the word conspiracy, unless it involves Donald Trump. They, they flagrantly use the word conspiracy when they talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's conspiring, conspiring. He's conspiring. They're the ones who are talking about conspiracy theories. There's a real conspiracy, absolute true conspiracy going on in the Hunter Biden issue. When the FBI hides the laptop a year before the election, they had it. They knew it was real. They didn't want to get involved in it. We got we to hide this. Because we got because we got to get rid of Trump. This could this could mean that Biden may not win because if this if this comes out, Joe's going to lose. Well, Joe wasn't going to lose. There's no way Joe was losing. There's a reason for that, and one of the reasons is this now investigation that happened up in Michigan, and apparently the, the investigation got out of control before the FBI could put the can put the lid on it. But never fear, the FBI has swooped in and taken control of the investigation. Why? I don't know, because it's not. Elections are not federal elections. They're not federal. They're state by state. Why the FBI can swoop in and take it away from a state who's investigating their own election fraud. And it takes it out of the hands of local, local authorities. And they were actually getting somewhere with it. They, they, made a, they made a lot of inroads into the, what was going on up here in Michigan. Leona, I think it was, uh, yeah, there's, there's they, they, and, they only, and they only scratched the tip of the iceberg with this thing. 
because they only found one agent on a, of a team. And she, and she admitted there was a team of them. And there are groups of these teams all over the place in all of the what are called battleground states. I, I believe they're in other states too. But the reason they put so, they're so heavily invested in the battleground states is because they know they're, they're the key states. They're, they're willing to let states like Indiana, Kentucky, just let, let, just let some of those go for now. More, the more they play out, the more, the more they will tr- – they will get inroads. They, they did get inroads in, in Indiana, I believe, in 2008. Uh, 2012, they didn't make it into Indiana. They, they weren't able to do their job in Indiana. Uh, but they still did it, and they, they were able to pull the, the swing states off. Because, I, frankly, I, I really do not believe that Obama won in 2012. I don't think it was fair and square. There, was a, there were almost as many anomalies in some states in 2012 as there were in 2020. Almost. It was not nearly as flagrant and they didn't have the opportunity to, to leverage themselves with the COVID issues. But they were there. The issues were there. Now, I'm going to jump right into this whole election thing. And I, and I, and I know I've, I've said I'm not going to let this die. Now, I, I have watched 2,000 Mules. And I, it's, it has just basically given me the resolve to continue on this. Anybody who gets in my face and says that the election wasn't, election wasn't stolen, it was the most secure election in the world. I'm just going to flat call him a liar. You're a liar and you're carrying water for other liars. It's blatant. Disregard for the truth. Because there is plenty of, of, there's so much evidence of things that have gone wrong, things that were done wrong. The the most fair election ever. Okay, then why is it that many state Supreme Courts have ruled that politicians overstepped their bounds, changed election rules, and many votes were illegal because of it? And in the process of this, they took advantage of this. They had, they had their game, they had their ground game going. Many states, they invested in ballot harvesting. In Michigan, and I'm sure they did this in other states as well, it wasn't just the ballot harvesting. They had ballot factories. And many of these ballots had no correct Address. There were no addresses that matched up with anything in their counties. One such incident happened right here across the border from where I am in Michigan. A total of about 42,000 votes were found to have been fraudulent. 42,000. In a state that was narrowly won... And this was just from one particular ballot harvester. What they, and I don't quite understand the full extent of it. I need to listen to the, to the whole story a couple of times, listen to the whole report a couple of times. My understanding is they would have these teams. They would rent a hotel room. They would have these teams that would go out and conduct surveys. We call them surveys. We're, we're surveying the area. 
They would ask them a bunch of questions while they're filling out their iPad. And they would ask them if they were interested in if they were going to vote for Joe Biden or not. And in the process of gathering this information from these people, now these people were paid, the people who went out and did this, they were paid like $120 a day cash. Cash, folks. The cash was flowing. Tax-free money. These, this is from the group that wants to tax the rich. Oh, you look at this, we're going to give you $120 to cash. All you have to do is turn in your, after so many, they would gather up a certain number and they would get a certain bonus for that. Basically, they were making about $120 a day. Plus some, something, there was other money involved in it as well. But the basic price was 120 bucks a day. And there were teams of them. Now, I don't know how, how big the teams were. It could have been five, 10, 20 people. I, I, it's, it's, it's questionable how many there were. Probably a smaller group. It's probably, probably we'll, say, we'll say four or five. There could have been more than that. I don't know how many teams there were. But there were, there were groups of these people that were doing this thing. They would, they would go to these, these, they would rent these hotel rooms. They'd go to the hotel rooms for training. And then they would go out from there, gather up all this information. And in many cases, they would just fill, out, fill the ballots out for themselves. They would take that information, fill out ballots. And then send those ballots in because the mail-in ballot issue or, or the, in some cases, drop boxes. This is where the mules would come around, pick up the, the, the harvested, harvested phony ballots. This is what was going on. So you can't, and so now you can't really say that the ballots, you know, if you just look at the ballot, it looks normal. This is why we had so many anomalies with ballots that weren't, didn't look official. They look like photocopies. They weren't the right size. They weren't the right, you know, there's all kinds of weird things going on with this whole thing. To the tunes of hundreds of thousands of, of, of ballots here we're talking about all over the country. In, I mean, hundreds of thousands in every state. Because it had to have been in the tune of millions. When you think about Joe Biden getting 81 million votes, more than 81 million votes. Now, don't forget, Donald Trump got more votes than any other sitting Republican president ever in the history of this country. More votes than any other Republican, part, Republican candidate in the history of our country. And I think he even got more votes than Barack Obama in 2008. And yet Joe Biden, who sat in his basement, gets 81 million votes. Millions of votes more than Donald Trump. Now, there are people who I have heard say after the election, I think just, just millions of people showed up, just millions of Democrats showed up to vote. This is what happened. This, I, I did not see that at my local voting booth. Now, of course, you can't tell because we have mail-in voting and we have early voting and all that, this, which, again, gives more opportunity for chicanery. It just, I, why we have to have early voting, I don't understand. Absentee voting, I understand completely. But you need to apply for an absentee ballot, in my opinion. You have to go and show your, show your thing, get your, get your ballot, and you can send it in. And you only get one. What, we've, what we see now is this willy-nilly, just send out ballots to everybody. 
maybe two or three sometimes to people, just in case. That's what's happening in some states. There are people who received four ballots in the mail to fill out. I'm sure that only happened to Democrat areas. Send them four, five, six, seven, eight ballots. I'll go ahead, just fill them all out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out on, on our end. Yeah, just keep counting them. See, when you th run a ballot through the counting machine, it doesn't, doesn't see whether or not that person has voted already or not. It just runs through. And the people who were doing the verification on some of these ballots that didn't have signatures, or they couldn't verify the signature, they were doing like a thousand an hour. They were verifying a thousand. How, how do you do that? They're literally clicking on like five a second. Maybe more than that, I guess. They're just clicking on them. Their fingers got, you know, bite, you know, they're like huge muscles on their fingers from clicking the mouse. This, oh, uh, so this, this all happened uh, up here in Michigan, and this, there was a county sheriff that got involved in this whole thing. Was discovering these these, these anomalies, and he he fi finally somehow got back to the FBI. I'm not sure who exactly reported it to, to the FBI. I think that the county sheriff actually reported to state officials, and then that's when the the FBI. The way I understand it is that that's how the FBI got got informed about the whole thing. The FBI swooped in and said, "We're taking over this investigation," and it's never been heard from again. That's where we're at with that. Just so you know. Because once the FBI steps in, and guess where uh, the investigation went? It went on the shelf with Hunter Biden's laptop. And Joe Biden, all the nefarious activity that happened in the uh, reports from banks banking reports about suspicious activity reports. Yeah, that's, that's where all that stuff comes from. It just continues on and on and on. So I don't know. Um, you tell me why the FBI would sit around, and you have, of course, you, know, you remember James Comey. Went through everything, the list, a whole list of all the things that Hillary Clinton did and then said, well, she didn't have any intent, so we're, no, no reasonable prosecutor would go after this. Oh, says you. I guess you're the decider now. Because you're Mr. Ethical Man. Oh, but we're going after Trump. No, the whole time, the whole time, they were investigating Trump behind the scenes. Now Jack Smith, speaking of investigating Trump, decides to go out and get a warrant to go after President Trump's deleted Twitter, Twitter account. Now it's called X, but that's Twitter account. So they go after his Twitter account. Get all of his, his tweets, because we know there's something there. But this, is what, this is what he said. We needed to go after it because we thought there'd be something there. That's not the way it works. It's, it, why don't they go after Hunter Biden's tweet? Twitter account and all of his, his accounts. The reason is because they don't have probable, see, you have to have probable cause of a crime. 
They can't – if they can do this to, to, to Donald Trump, they can do it to all of us. And then they, they, they will. And they probably have done it to some people that we haven't heard of. This is how this, is how this stuff gets leaked out in the press. Oh, we, we've got their tweets. What, how'd you, how did you get somebody's tweets? How did you get somebody's phone messages? How does this stuff happen? So the FBI – not the FBI, but the special counsel, not an not a independent counsel, but a special counsel – goes after Donald Trump and he somehow talks Twitter and, and Twitter fought back about this. They actually pushed back. See this, we don't want to, we don't want to go, we don't want to give you this information. Well, this, they, they threatened, they, they basically, the thugs that they are decided they were going to fine Twitter if they didn't comply with the warrant. 50,000 for the first day, 100,000 for the second day, 200,000 for the third day. So it went on for three days. They pushed back for three days. They had to pay $350,000 in fines for not turning over Trump's stuff. And now, and of course, that's right away. Some, somehow, somehow, this, new, this FBI who only speaks through their court filings, somehow MSNBC gets a hold of Donald Trump's Twitter account that, that Jack Smith went after. That, that information is disclosed right away. But they gag Trump from discovery or sharing anything from discovery that he uses. The public can't be told about that. There's a gag order on him. He can't even take his notes from court out of the courtroom. Folks, these people are deranged, and they want to see him in jail. They, they have made this guy out to be such a monster. And anybody who is going along with this, just, most people just think, oh, oh Donald Trump, oh, he's, he's terrible. Why, why, do you, why do you say he's terrible? What has he done to you? Well, he's racist. Okay, what, what has he said that's racist? Well, he said... They're good people on both sides. Okay, let's dig a little deeper on that one. Both sides of what? Well, he says white supremacists are good people on white supremacists. That's not what he said. But that's what they believe he said, because that's what the media told him he said. And I would even venture to say, I know this isn't going to be popular necessarily. If a person is a racist... Does that mean they're evil in every part of their life? Because there are people out there who are racist, and there are people who are biased and bigots. That in every other aspect of their life, and they're not, they're not criminals. They've never hurt anyone. They don't beat their kids. They provide for their families. They work hard every day. But somehow their entire life is vilified because of their racial view. Now, is their racist ideology deplorable? Absolutely. It's disgusting. And it's deranged. But they're still a human being. 
And we need to be very careful with the way we just decide to throw away a person because of something that we don't agree with. There's a lot more to that person than just that particular ideology. This is where it comes down to the whole idea of I don't hate people. I, I, I just, I think I was asked this question a while back. It's, somebody said something about, oh, do you hate, you know, so and so, such and such people, whatever. They're talking about leftists or whatever they are. I mean, and, and I, I was like, you know, I was confronted with the question. And I was kind of confronted with myself. The way they asked the question, it didn't really say it that clearly, but I kind of confronted myself with this question. I was like, you know, I actually don't hate people. I don't hate anyone. I do hate what some people do. I hate some people's actions. And I hate some ideologies that some people embrace. But I don't hate the person. Now, it's very difficult for me in my human state to sometimes separate the two. But it is something I have to deliberately do. I have to think about that, to be deliberate about that. Because when someone says something really stupid, my first reaction is to th say, you're stupid. Because it's just what wants to come out of my mouth. But that's not the case. They might be ignorant, but they're not necessarily stupid. What they're saying is stupid. What they believe is stupid. Their worldview might be stupid, but they're not necessarily stupid. <clears throat> I hope that makes sense. And I have to remind myself of that because this is a person, a creature, a creation of my father who died on a cross for them, regardless of their stupid ideology. I, just, I, I saw a thing, uh, there's a guy named Todd. I can't think of his last name. He's a street preacher. Uh, he's also, I think he's a, he's pretty sure he's Baptist. Strict Baptist, Southern Baptist, maybe not Southern Baptist, I don't know what he is. Anyway, anyway he, he, uh, he, he, he's very knowledgeable of scripture and he's very good. He has a, he has a YouTube channel. He used to go after uh, contemporary Christian music. He didn't like contemporary Christian music, which is why I started listening to the guy and I kind of liked some of the things he would say. Very knowledgeable of scripture and he would, he would, uh, he wore a suit, but yet he was pretty hip about things. You know, he was like, he was like, but he, he, at the, at his core, what I, what I, what I discovered as the more he talked, the more I listened to him, which I only, only took about three or four times listening to him, the more I dug into what he was, what he was saying and where he was coming from, at the, at the end of the day, there was an underlying tone of legalism in what he was pushing. His points were, his, the bottom line was it was, it was legalism. And at... And I've become so, over the years, I've become so, uh, I guess, turned off by that and, and kind of hypersensitive to it, maybe in some ways. I was kind of, uh, I wasn't a, a bad kid growing up. I didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or run with those who do. And I was, I was a kid who was saved from my own self-righteousness. Legalism. 
two different things, but basically they went hand in hand. And I, and I, so now I, I become more sensitive to that because I, I see it for what it is. And I, it's probably more despicable than somebody who does smoke, drink, or chew. Because self-righteousness means that you're looking at the cross and seeing what everything was done there on the cross for you. And you're saying, well, that, that, that's nice, but I can, thanks, I can, I can, he just fulfilled everything I can't do. You know, I couldn't quite get there. He, he made it the rest of the way. No, no. You couldn't quite even think about getting there. Even your, your attempt is a spit in his face as he's you know, on the cross. That's really what it amounts to. So what you're saying is, well, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to add to what you've done on the cross. It's, it, oh, really? You can't, you can't do that. That's, sorry, that's taking away from everything you did on the cross. Now, you can live a life. You're never going to live a life worthy of what he's did on the cross. But you can live a life of appreciation for what he did on the cross. By presenting yourself to him as, you know, as, as much as you can as a living sacrifice, so to speak, but, you know, taking up your own cross and kind of saying, this isn't my life anymore, you purchased me. And that's, do what you will. Your will, not mine, kind of thing. Now, enough preaching about that. Anyway, this, this, so the street preacher was, uh, was out on the street and he was talking to this lady and, he, and this lady was asking a question. She was, she was sincere. She was kind of yelling at him. And he, and he kind of broke it down to a, a conversation. And this, I saw this, I just happened to see uh, Vivek Ramaswamy just, just did this recently with somebody who was heckling him and yelling from the back of the room. He called her forward. So let's have a conversation. Don't just be back there yelling. And he asked her some serious questions and he actually had a conversation. And she was still mad. She kind of felt a little bit embarrassed. You could tell she was a little bit upset about it. And she, she still kind of walked off mad. And yet... Vivek was the one who really looked like, I said, we can, you know, we can disagree, man, but I, I just, I want, you know, this is it's America, it's free speech. I, want to, I just want to hear you. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear, I want to understand. We, want, we need to have a conversation about what you're talking about. And he had that conversation. Let her speak her mind. And basically agreed to disagree with her. Now, he's not a Christian. I believe he's Hindu. I believe. I believe. I don't, I don't think. He might be. I don't know. I think he's Hindu. I believe, but I'm not sure. Uh, he might be. Might be a Christian guy. Though. I'm not sure. So <clears throat> I'd have to look into him a little bit more about that. It's kind of, I don't know what his religion is. I, I, I assumed. I assumed it was not Christian because I haven't heard him say anything about that. So I don't know. Um. The uh, anyway. I'm going to do my uh, Joe Biden. Well, anyway. So, th so this guy was, uh, he's out there street preaching. This lady, this lady approached him and she said, you know, all these different religions out there, uh, how, how do you, and this has been the age old question of, of time. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to answer. I'm barely going to stick my toe in the water on this one because it can, it can get, ap apologetically, it can get very, you can get very deep into the weeds on this. In the world, of course, we believe that there's no other way to get there besides through Mashiach, through Messiah, through Jesus, Yeshua. Unless you believe in him, you are under the law and you are, there's no way you're going to 
enter into heaven on your own merits. That is what basically Christianity believes. Now, there are, are don't tell me, don't, don't get me wrong. There are Christian churches out there. There are preachers out there who will tell you, "Oh no, there, there's going to be Muslims in heaven. There's going to be all." All these other people are going to be in heaven. No, not really. Now, here, here's where it gets a little bit sticky for me. See, the, and you can't just do this in a street preaching scenario where somebody's approaching you and asking you questions on the street. I've, I've, I've preached on the street before, and it's, it's very difficult to get into much of a conversation with people. What, what usually ends up happening is if people start shouting out questions, I usually just put the microphone down, give it to somebody else, let them do the preaching, and I'll go talk, talk to them about their issues. Because you just can't have that public conversation with one guy shouting a microphone and the other guy, other people just shouting back at you. That just doesn't work out well. So <clears throat> this is where you, you dare not go do this by yourself. That way, the, because the, that way you've got somebody to fall back on. Now, What ends up happening is, is he gets in this conversation with this lady and, of course, the question is, what about all the people for hundreds of thousands of years, people – well, for hundreds, hundreds of thousands, even the, even the best scientists out there will say that the human race has only been around for about 100,000 years. Hundreds of thousands of years people have this – gets, this gets into the whole question of how old is the earth? You know, did Adam and Eve you – know, people fallen from Adam and Eve and sort of Adam and Eve the first people and they – and went on from there and the whole, the whole thing and it gets into this whole thing of how old is the earth and how many people have been around and what's, what's all the generations about. And so you get into all this stuff. And so this, this gets very deep into the weeds very quickly. But the, the basic – and this guy did hit on the right subject. He went right into Romans and he said, you know what? Now, you may not agree with this, but Romans says that basically creation speaks for itself. We are without excuse. That, that, that's, that's my little paraphrase of the whole thing. Basically, it says creation speaks of the of the, of that God is it, it exists. Is testimony to who He is through His creation. The fact that there is anything says He is, and we are guilty without excuse. Our very hearts condemn us, knowing that we are not perfect. We are not good enough. We are fallen. We know that in our hearts. Now, there are people who out, out there who will not take a moment to self-reflect and, and see that in, in themselves, but that's the way they are. That's not – it doesn't mean Scripture is different. That doesn't mean Scripture is wrong or that, that nature isn't still screaming at them saying, look, I'm here and you're, you need my, my salvation. So people are, are guilty without excuse. You, could, you can preach the gospel to some people and tell them about Jesus and they still won't turn to him. Which just, again, proves the point that man continually turns away from God since the time of Adam and Eve. So whose fault is it really? They're like, well, I can't – she was like, I can't be a part of a religion who says that, that the only you – know, for, for thousands of years before Jesus, of course, now they – of course, understanding that he, he did bring up the point that the Jews understood that they, they believed in the one the Messiah to come, which is why they 
means that you know, now we believe in the Messiah who has, has come. And so, so this whole thing happens the way it happens. And it's, you know, she, she, but she, she can't, she has a hard time. Well, what about all the people who didn't hear about it? All, you know, people from, from Africa and people from, from the Indian you know, and the Native Americans here and, and all the just different things. So She's she basically talking about all the people who've lived prior to the religion and prior to all this stuff. What about all those people that God's not going to accept them? Here is my take on this. And I, I cannot necessarily back this up in Scripture except for a few things that Yeshua said and a few things that are in Scripture that kind of allude to this without it being very clear. And the, the nature of it is this, and I know this is kind of out there, and many people may disagree with me on this. I believe that if a person is going through life and they've never heard of Jesus, they've never heard of the Messiah, they've never heard anything, but they have a contrite heart, they live their life understanding that they need, that, that they've fallen short. They're not depending on their own goodness. They're, they're basically living a very Christ-like life. They're very humble. They're contrite. They love mercy. They're very merciful people. There are, there are fruits of the Spirit in them, in a, in a sense, in their character. Because they have taken the time to self-reflect and see creation and realize there's something bigger than me out there that I'm going to be held accountable to. And I know I'm finite in my life. And at the end of the road, I don't know what, what to expect. I'm going to try to do unto others as they do unto me, as I, as I have them do unto me. I'm just going to try to live that, that kind of life. I believe if there's people out there with those kinds of characters, there's this moment of time between death and being faced with God, coming face to face with God. that I believe those people will have that opportunity. I believe that God will have mercy on those individuals. Now, I also believe that it is much more powerful that we need to be compelled. Not, eh, compelled is kind of a strong word a little bit. I, to be compelled out of compassion for those who have not heard the word. Because there are those out there who, yeah, at the very end, they may still end up possibly in that moment making a decision, turning to God in the, in the last moment. Just because they didn't know his name, but they knew they needed him. There's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's theologically sound even. I don't, I don't know. But I do know that God is merciful. And, I, and I, so, so they're, they're, I believe that God is going to try to, or that he has, provided for a, a way, in a sense, in that respect. I don't know. And it's just, it's a good thing I'm not God. So I'm going to say. But, but, but the, the, um, 
in the midst of that, at the same time, we, ha we have uh, no other way. There's, there's no other way. And, and this, this whole idea compels us to go out and preach the gospel because here's the, here's the bottom line is life as we know it right now is much more comforting knowing that we have received salvation. That the poor soul that's out there going through life, this, this is why we need to go out and preach the gospel to let people know that there is hope. Because if you're living without hope, you're barely living. This is not abundant life to go through life not knowing what you face at the end. Even if it's going to be something good, even if there is something good there, you, you don't know. And just living with this big question mark, there's no way to live. So, in my opinion, this is why we preach the gospel, this is why we preach the good news. It changes how people treat each other, usually for the better, normally, not always. Some people get into religious bickering and all kinds of other things, all in the name of their religion. And what this lady was looking for, and, and what, what amazed me about this whole inter interchange between these two people, it was, it was that this lady was looking for a religion. Now, what I would have said to her, the last thing I would have said to her was, ma'am, I appreciate the fact that you're really taking the time to ask some seriously good questions. But what you're looking for is a religion. And what God is offering you is a relationship. They're two very different things. Now, can you have a relationship with God through expression, expression of religion? Yes, absolutely you can. Yep, you can. But religion is not the means to the end. So, like I said, it's a very deep uh, kind of in-the-weeds in the topic. It can get all tangled up, and it's probably worth a lot more discussion. I wish my brother Jay was here. He could probably... That's me scratching my head. Yeah, he could go a lot deeper on this stuff. Anyway. So, uh, here's some video before I get too far into this. Uh, I'm already over halfway through the show. I want to play this audio because um, it's really interesting, to say the least. Let's just say it's interesting. Um, I'm going to play this so I can go back to the beginning here. Now, it's got some stuff in the beginning. I'm going to try to, uh, to weed out the part that All right, here's, here we go with this. Uh, this is, Ducey is asking the president about the uh, stuff, and this is on Robert Gravea show. So let's, there's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them talking business. Is that what? We never talked business with anybody. 
And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you? It's why is that a lousy question? Because it's not true. So, so he's. <laughs> so what's funny about this is. He invites him over to ask the question. Of course, he asks him, asks him the question, and he says, I knew you'd have a lousy question. Why is it a lousy question? Because it's not true. What's not true? That you didn't call in? That you didn't have a conversation with him? That you didn't... What, what's not true about it? I mean, it's all test, this is testimony from people before this sworn oath, sworn under oath to tell the truth, telling me that that's not true. Now, if Donald Trump were asked those questions, if you remember, don't, don't, don't forget, there was a particular man called Jim Acosta who was heckling the president everywhere he went, yelling, screaming. At one point, he, was, he fought the microphone away from a press secretary or press uh, person who was, who was giving the mic out. At another point, he was uh, like yelling. And he actually got his press pass taken away from him. Of course, the news media, oh, this is, this is, they, they think that the news media is enshrined in the Constitution. No, MSNBC is not a part of, the, of our government. It's not, it's not an enshrined part of our government. You'd think that they, they think so. You'd think, think that the way they act, you'd, you'd think that, they, that it is, but no, it's not. The free press, in other words, press, and that's generic press. doesn't matter if it's independent, just me talking about the press itself, me calling myself press one day. Today, I'm identifying as the press. Yeah, it's a free press. And whether you have a report once a month, once a week, once a year, it's free press. Every day, whether you call yourself a news organization, whether you have a 501c3 or a S corporation, it doesn't matter. It's free press. Journalism, the right to print, public, publicize anything you want to about the government. And yet they want to make it sound like it's, it's like a fourth branch of government. It's not. It's the people who have the, have the right to speak on these issues. Now, having said all that, uh, there's another another thing where uh, I, don't, I think I might have had this recorded as well. Uh, I think actually, no, I think I, I don't think I got it recorded. Where um, Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, she she ends up going. She ends up getting asked by Jake Tapper. You can tell he does not want to ask the question. He doesn't want to ask the question, but he knows he has to ask the question. He's kind of monotone. Well, I'll have to ask this question about what you think about, you know, there's this call testimony from this guy about, you know, Hunter Biden thing, Joe, Joe, Joe Biden and all this stuff. And it's about ethics and what she, how she feels about it. She, she dodges the question. Well, you know, ethics is a terrible thing. And, you know, some of the ethics in Washington and all this, you know, this stuff is going on. And, and I, I've always been in, in opposed to this and blah, blah, blah. blah and, just, and then goes off. And, and then she goes into the Clarence Thomas thing. She, she goes right away from the Joe Biden thing, right into the Clarence Thomas thing. Clarence Thomas 
apparently over the last 20 years, 30 years, whatever, he slept on a yacht, on someone's yacht one time. And he's, been, he's, he's received gifts from people who are rich. He's been living lavish lifestyle. He's bought and paid for by these rich people. Here we go again. We're hearing, now we're hearing all this stuff about, they're trying to get Clarence Thomas out of there. Trying to get Clarence Thomas out of there. Now, I bet you anything, we start digging into Sotomayor's, Sotomayor, if we start digging into her past, what's going on right now with her, Katanji, some of the other leftist, left-wing liberals on the court, activists, some of the things that they've done and said and gifts that they've taken and ways they've been paid. I, I guarantee you. But they will never cover that. They hate Clarence Thomas because, one, they, they, they've gone so far as to call him a cabin what do they call it? Cabin boy. What, what do they call it? Well, not cabin boy. Uh, what are they calling? I don't know all the terms they call him. Call him. All kinds of, they've called him all kinds of names. Racial slurs that have to do with slavery. Of course, they would know them all because they were the ones who invented it. Not really. They didn't invent slavery. Slavery's been around for a long time. But they were the ones who per perpetrated it here in this country. But that's, that's who they're going after now. They're, they're, you're, now you're seeing all this, oh, look, at, look, he got all these gifts from. They're trying to deflect everything off of Biden. Biden, Biden never took any money. He didn't, he didn't actually take any money. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. Um, there was no evidence that Donald Trump did anything to that lady in New York. There's no evidence that Donald Trump was running a group of thugs that he wanted to have take over the the government, steal the podium. There's no evidence that Donald Trump told, uh, in fact, he didn't directly tell Mike Pence to turn over the election. But Pence, Pence is coming out with this, he's coming out with some really weird stuff he's saying right now. Um, he's, he's saying, well, you know, Donald Trump's reckless activity, asking me to, to overturn the, the results of the election. I, that's not actually what he asked you to do. This is, this is all just coming out in the last month that you're saying that he said that. He, he, the, there was never any talk of that before. But this goes right down. He's trying to eliminate Trump. And I tell you what, Pence has more and more, and it's the way he talks. It does, I've, I've, I've never liked the way Pence talks. Even the way he holds his mouth when he speaks. And I think it's, it's finally come around to the point where he's, he's finally got himself tangled up. And he's, he's always kind of been out of the limelight for the most part. As a governor, he kind of skated around some of the tougher questions. But his, he's, he has tightened up and he's in this, this portrayal mode now. Well, I, I stood for the Constitution then, and I'm going to stand for the Constitution now. It, it's, it's the way he, it, it's the way he, 
it's the way he's just so much about the way he talks and the way he speaks. It's not necessarily the stuff he says that I don't have a hard time. It's the way he says it. And it's, it comes across to me very demeaning, very patronizing, and very manipulative. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I, I just don't trust him. Chris Christie, on the other hand, comes right out and just keeps attacking Trump. Now he's saying, well, Trump only made 57 miles of, wall, of the wall. He's, he, you know, this is saying that he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna stop the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. That's just a bunch of bunk. That's just like when he, when he said, and he, and he relates that whole thing to how his promise on the wall. You know, he, he promised to put up 57 miles of the wall or, or you know, put up a wall on the border and he didn't do it. And, and uh, Mexico didn't pay for a penny of it. Well, the whole thing with Mexico paying for it was through trade sanctions. It wasn't that they were going to write the check for the wall. He makes these stupid comments like this. Christie is only in this race to go after Trump. He's not in it to be the president. He's not going to be the president, and he knows it. There is a nefarious theme. There's a, a, there's a plan. There's a, there is a plan behind the scenes in the, in the, Demo, in the Republican establishment. They've got a plan. Christie is part of that plan. Don't think for a minute that they haven't placed these people where they are for reasons. Christie is in there. There's also another guy running. I don't think he's going to be on the debate stage. A former CIA agent is also running for president. John Bolton was going to run for president. And you've got, uh, what's his name, who used to be the Secretary of State? Uh, can't think of his name. He's also running. And guess what? He was also a former CIA director. These people have deep state ties. And they're going after Trump. With no intention of winning. They know they're not going to win. But they have to muddy the water. They have to, they've got a strategy. And I know what it is, but they've got a plan. And I believe part of this plan, of course, now with, with the whole thing with all these indictments and in the court cases that are going on, they're going to start the court cases in December of this year. And the one goes right after the other. So, of course, now when does the primary start to start starts to zoom up? It starts to get, get involved in December, November and December. And they're going to keep him in, in, in these court hearings. He has to be there every day. And at least it'll take a, you know, a couple months. Then, after he gets done with one, they have another one scheduled. And after that one's done, they have another one scheduled. And probably after that one, they'll have another one scheduled. So it's, it's just because there's going to be a fourth indictment. And they're going to get him for contempt and not, not compliance because he, he's going, he has to attend his other, other court hearings, other court cases. This whole thing stinks to high heaven. And again, you've got the FBI. Oh, here's... Yeah, this, this whole thing. Here's another thing. I don't know if I talked about this yet. I don't think I have. This individual uh, by the name of Wolf, Lisa Wolf, was part of the Hunter Biden investigation. Well, guess what was going on? It's part of the DOJ. Guess what was going on with the Department of quote, Justice? Guess what was happening with that whole thing? Law enforcement was going in and saying... Uh, we're going to raid 
they, they were going for for a a warrant. They were going to raid uh, Hunter Biden's garage. There was this garage. They were had him under surveillance because there was there was things going on there. So they're going to go after this when his garage do, to do whatever their storage building or whatever it was. And they were watching this thing because he had, had a, you know he would go in and out of this place occasionally. Well, guess what? Wolf, Lisa Wolf, was informing Hunter Biden's lawyers behind the scenes that they were going to raid his property. Did anybody do that for Trump? No. These are the kind of leaks, this is the kind of crap that goes on and we're just supposed to not be too concerned about it. Just, oh, yeah, it's just normal. Oh, you know, it just leaked out somehow. Leaked out. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's see if i got anything else on my list here. Because I've been going long enough for a Friday. Um, crime in big cities right now is out of control. There's a lot of people talking about that. There's, I guess now, now the D.C. police now are, are begging for help from the National Guard. Donald Trump suggested that they federalize the chaos in D.C. and use National Guard troops, and he was a racist for saying it. Now they're, now they're saying, oh, we've got, we got to do this. we all got to come together, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You have, you have to crack down on this stuff. It looks like a war zone in some of these, some of these places. I believe in New York City, I think there's 100 murders, 100, is it 100 a year? That's more than... Right now, with, with all the stuff going on, with all the military bases all over the, all over the world, that's more than our military personnel lose in actual battle in a year's time. And I, I can't remember the number, but it's, it's, it's way higher than, it's like ridiculous number of people. Yeah. But, but who, what do I know? No, what do I know? I don't know. What do, I, what do I know? I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. But I don't know. I know it's the end of the week. I know it's the end of the show. Monday and Tuesday of next week, uh, good possibility there may or may not be a show. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to me over the next five days. It's, it, the, uh, the whole weekend, the first three days of next week are kind of messed up. I've, I do have a, uh, I've got a camping trip. I'm hoping to go on Thursday, Friday, Saturday of next week. The dogs and the cat, my wife, maybe out there doing our thing. So I'm not sure uh, how that's all going to work out as far as getting shows done. We'll have to see how it works out. I have uh, a lot, you know, just as you go through your weekend, as you spend time with your families, as you're doing your thing, just make sure you pray for the country, pay for each other, and uh, have hope. God's going to save us in the end. God bless America.